Welcome to the Think Kingdom Podcast. We want to welcome you this week as we continue in our series, Beloved. Let's see what God's Word has for us from lead pastor Antoine Lasseter. How are you doing, Beloved? We are the beloved of God. And so if, you're, if you've been um, stalking us for the last few weeks, um, we've been in this series, uh, a summer series, if you will, um, about being beloved. And that means we're, we're loved by God. And so I believe, I thought last week was the last uh, sermon of this series, um, but I just have a few nuggets um, because we want to celebrate a baptism today. Okay, that was eh. We want to celebrate a baptism today. Yeah, a new life in Christ. And so uh, we want to uh, remind you of three things. The first thing is I am not what I do. Good, bad, or indifferent. I am not what I do because I'm in Christ. Now, I once heard someone say that your past may not define you, but it does describe you. So my past are indicators. Hopefully now, it's, I'm beyond that, but my past is an indicator of me being BC, before Christ. And so there's a market change in all of us. Um, even if we're wrestling with the same things in our past that we're, 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 we're wrestling with it in the present, um, in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, we are new creations. Uh, the second thing is, I am not what I have. So oftentimes, especially in the world, we are defined by how big our houses are, how many cars we drive, all these things, but I'm not what I have. I am who he says I am. Um, and the third thing is, I am not what others say about me. But how do I continually hold on to these truths? And so we're going to part for a few moments in Ephesians um, chapter 5. Um, but Ephesians, um, Ephesians, I-A-N-S, um, Ephesians is centered in Ephesus. And in the, in the culture of Ephesus, um, there were, the, the culture, was, mm, pretty much anything went, anything goes. And so the major theme of Ephesians were the, was a recreation of humanity and God's family. And so um, different people are brought together in Christ, different walks of life. Everyone had a past. Everyone's an ex something. But Christ um, was able to bring different types of people together and actually they were unified. Now, I know I know we're in the 21st century and uh, we don't seem as unified as but it's Christ what separates our natural inclination to be different and to be uh, to push against someone who doesn't look like me, act like me. Um, but because of his Holy Spirit, because we can't be unified without the Spirit. So because of his Spirit that lives in all of us, um, that is the fuel that we can come together and be unified. It doesn't mean problems don't exist, but that simply means that if you got Jesus and I got Jesus and we got Jesus, we should be okay. They're like, but what if the other person ain't got Jesus? I just need for you to think about yourself for a moment. 
uh, because this new way of life is counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive to how we are. I'll give you an example. Um, if you are experiencing lack in your home, what do you want to do? You want to hold what you have because you don't know if you're going to make it. But the kingdom comes and it's upside down. He says, give and it'll be given. That's counterintuitive. So Ephesians has two major sections. Uh, chapters one through three presents the gospel doctrine. But um, this, the doctrine is just the right thinking about God. Everyone say it with me. The, I need to have the right thinking about God. But chapters four and six represents um, the gospel culture. That's right living before God. So we have to think, have the proper thinking about God in order for us to live like God or live for God. And so sometimes these two are at odds with each other because the scripture says, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the scripture says um, they will know that you're my disciples um, by how much Bible you know. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that they will know that you're my disciples by how much you love one another. And, and so we have to build um, our right thinking. That's why doctrine matters. Doctrine is important. But we live out the gospel in everyday living. So thinking and doing go together. So we've got to have a right thinking about God. And here's what most pastors, most leaders, most people get, that we need a constant reminder of who we are in Christ. Point to your temple like this. I got to get my head right. No, what, no, no, no wait, wait, wait. Y'all thought I was saying it about me. So let's repeat this. I got to get my head right. So those who, uh, scripture, those who keep their mind on Jesus, he will keep them in perfect peace. We, all of us, struggle with the chaos around us and in us when our minds are off Jesus. The battlefield is in our minds. Now, I'm a recovering uh, person who used to fear heights. I'm, I'm proclaiming it in Jesus' name. Now, I know when I'm on the bottom of the ground and I'm looking up to a skyscraper, my legs start shaking. <laughs> I know, Tiffany, I'm on the ground. But when I look up and see the top, my legs start shaking. Now, if somebody stands beside me, and says, you know that don't make sense, right? I do. So I was talking to my mom, and my mom was like, I want to do something for my birthday, and I want y'all to make it happen. And I was like, okay, cool. Anything, mom. Anything. You're my mom. I only got one. Anything you want. She said, I heard in Charlotte there's a rooftop dining experience. And I got like meatloaf, but anything but that. And she says, I'm afraid of heights too, but we're going to do this together. I said, no, we not. 
I love you, but I ain't doing that. She says, son, it's all in our heads. Absolutely. I concur. I concede that point. But y'all can dine up here, FaceTime me down here. And so I got to get the head right. And we got to get our heads right if we're going to live out the gospel in every area of our life. And that's where the battlefield is. Because, Pastor, I can live out the gospel when I don't have problems. Pastor, if my wife and I are on the same page, we good. Duh, right? But when, when I feel like she's being selfish or he's being selfish, you trying to tell me I'm supposed to live out the gospel and I know they wrong? Absolutely. You mean to tell me somebody can say something stupid on Facebook, we're friends, and it's not my job to, to correct them? Yep. You mean to tell me that I'm just supposed to sit here and take it? What are you taking? So you trying to tell me that I was late three minutes and my boss wrote me up, but his favorite don't even come to work. And I just supposed to take it? Were you late? That ain't the point, Pastor. And this is where I know I'm loved by God. I, I got that. Yeah, man, that's easy, Doc. Jesus loves me. For this I know. Mm-hmm. For the Bible tells me so. Okay. But what are we going to do with that love? Because that is where the rubber hits the road. Ephesians chapter 1. I mean, it's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, this is going to be tight, but it's right anyhow. Therefore, be imitators of God. Oh, Lord Jesus. Those three words, those five words, therefore, be imitators of God. He wants us to act like him. Not the Old Testament. <laughs> he wants us to operate like him. And some translations as dearly loved children says beloved. So beloved, be imitators of God. <sighs> beloved, be imitators of God and walk in love. Oh <laughs> God help us. So we got to be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. It's like having uh, the, uh, the thing that's plugged into the, 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 the plug, and you walk in the house and it smells like tulips. It's a sweet fragrance to God. So my first point is, beloved, say beloved. Be like God. Now, very simple, but I got to put this in here, I said, beloved, be like Jesus. But beloved, be like God. But you ain't God. Be like him. 
What's the difference? I'm glad you asked. We are not called to be God. When we try to put ourselves in a position of God, um, we start falling apart. When I put myself in a position in my marriage to be um, to be God, I am flawed. I may be a good man, but I'm a bad God. And if I become the source of my family, I will fail them constantly, consistently, every day of my life. He is calling us to be like him. Because when you're trying to be God, you try to judge like him. And we're called to be like God. Now, how are we imitators of God? The word imitate means mimic. So, uh, parents, holler back at me. Just make some noise if you're a parent. Okay, so parents, um, the more time we spend with our children, um, the more they act like us. We spend time with them and they begin to act like us. Now, parents, there are times when we see things in our kids that we need to address, but we don't. But everything being equal, when we spend time with them, they continue to have our ways. They have our words. They have, they, 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 you see the parent, you see the child, you see the parent. You see the child, you see the parent. I knew in, um, I know when um, my sons went to elementary school and they said, man, your boys are good, but they just talk too much. I knew who they got that from. So it was one of those things, yeah, you're just going to have to ride that out. (laughs) They get that honest. And so they looked like their daddy. They acted like their daddy. You you see a picture of my oldest son, and you see a picture of me, we look the same. I don't ever have to say, that's my child, because he has the characteristics of me. I don't have to, he doesn't have to go and say, Antoine Lasseter is my pappy. He doesn't have to say that because it's understood that he's my son. If you've seen me, you've seen my son. If you've seen him, you've seen me. So there's something happens when Justin and Chris spend time with their father. They start picking up the habits. They start acting like their, their dad. So, so one of them are an extreme on this side and the other is extreme. But both of them remind you of me. And that is something you can't take away. They don't have to brag about it. They just have to be. They look like their daddy. If we are believers, do you look like your daddy? I know what you say, I'm a Christian, but do you look like Christ? It's not in your words. And that's, that's how we f- keep falling. What's so crazy is, man, we all know what happened this weekend. It's crazy. And then Roe versus Wade, it was overturned and Christians rejoice. And, then, and there's more work to do. There's foster care. There's adoption. And those things are happening. So let's not celebrate a changing of the law. Let's celebrate the changing of hearts. Do you look like your daddy? Because at the end of the day, from the beginning of time, Jesus is the visible representation of an invisible God. God's afar off and we have never seen God. So God's like, hmm, here's a quandary. Let me send someone who's perfect, who can imitate me, the father, the son. So Jesus comes and the only thing we have to do, Bree, is act like him. 
But here's so crazy. We don't know how to act like him without him being in us. So he gives us his Holy Spirit because we always messing up everything. So he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them an example. And so, therefore, be imitators of God. And the goal of the Christian life is to imitate God. The Apostle John says it this way in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. He said, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So the whole of Christian life can be summed up right here. Imitate God. Mimic God. Be like your daddy, your heavenly father. We're trying to be, we're trying to become the greatest good in existence. And Jesus is the perfect person. Jesus is full of love, joy. Now, I want you to, I want you to self-reflection here. Jesus is full of love. Are you? Are we? He's full of joy. He's full of peace. Everybody, stop right here. He's full of patience. He's full of kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. And we're supposed to do that. And if you, if you read it and you're honest, um, Lord, help me. Because if there's nine of them, uh, it's like spades. I got one in a possible. <laughs> it's natural for children to imitate their parents. And children often have their parents' nature, their behavior, their actions. The more time parents spend with their children, the more their children act like them. They pick up things. And now when you hit north of 40, like some of us, you begin to sound like your parents. Because whatever the parent put in you begins to grow. And so when we are wrestling with our identity, sometimes, sometimes what it takes, folks, it's just, it's just like a baby. You don't put an infant on the ground and say, now you better use your words and walk. Walk in Jesus' name. You can do it. It's in you. Do it. So why we treat young Christians like that? Young Christians forever poop in their pants. And when Justin was this size and he pooped in my hands, but that's something that we have to work out. He could not take care of himself. And young babies, young Christians are prone to poop themselves. And so we have to grow them up. But we grow them up with what? I just told you, the fruits of the Spirit, patience, gentleness. Stop putting your expectations on them. Uh, they still can't get right. You're right. It took you 76 years to. And here's the reality of it. You didn't listen either. 
People couldn't tell. We see you in your glorified maturity now, but don't you fool yourself. Our children are going to bump their heads after we done had that two-hour speech with them. Now, come for me for everything. So I'm going to spend two hours yelling at you so you won't come to me for the next thing. I don't know where that came from. Somebody need to hear it. So like beloved children who are ever near the parent, we're, we're teaching these children of, of God. These, see, the, new, the, the King James Version says um, uh, followers of, of, of Jesus. This says imitators of God. And those two words mean mimic. We have to mimic God. How do we mimic God, Sam? By spending time with him. It's not just Sunday morning. Newsflash. It's not just your small group. It's not just you version and occasional uh, scripture that pops up. It's not getting in trouble and then trying to find a scripture to make you feel better. It's a constant growing, but it does take all of that. When you remove one from the table, you're not growing up healthy. So you can't imitate a person if you don't know anything about them. So some, this is so hard because the reality of it, can, can I just be real? Remember, we all, I may be a teenager in Christ, whatever, but we all, we ain't, none of us have arrived. So, so here's the reality of it. Um, we all have these rhythms. You know how it is. Your back is up against the wall and now you're praying and fasting like nobody's business. You like church doors open. I mean, I get here at like eight o'clock and you like this. Come on, man. I need Jesus. But then when success starts to happen or the pressure's off, you know, it's just a long way to church. It's just, I mean, it was raining outside. Bro, you won't even turn on Facebook. It's video on demand now. You still don't do it. So sometimes if you're a parent, why would you take the pressure off? Like, why, why would you answer all your, your children's um, concerns? Because you will stifle their growth. That you will enable them. Even a child who's learning how to walk has to fall because every time they fall and they stand up, their legs are being strengthened. And so sometimes what happens um, in this, this journey that, yes, I understand you're a babe in Christ, but there are certain things that I can't do. Uh, a baby needs his diaper changed. What does he do? He cries. And so it's up for the parents, the mature to, to, but then it's like old school, leave that baby alone. That baby going to be fine. There, there's some truth to that. But, but the problem that we have is what do we do with babies that we've dropped? What we do to the babies that have a legitimate church hurt? Do we tell them just to get over it? Keep your eyes on Jesus and not people. I can't see Jesus because of the people. So... Paul says it this way, follow us as we follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. So while we can't be holy on our own, as redeemed children of God, we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live like him, to act like him, to walk like him, and to talk like him. So verse number two, and walk in love. 
as Christ also loved us. Remember, we're supposed to mimic Christ. So if Christ loved me, loved us in our um, ugliness, in our ignorance, we should love others the same. Why are we so mad at sinners? We're angry people. Not y'all. But occasionally, I go into the gas station bathroom, which is Facebook and social media, and I don't touch anything. And I sometimes say, Rob, you know what? I'll just wait till I get home. <laughs> because I thought we were given the joy of the Lord, but yet we're so angry. Like we're, we're yelling into megaphones and telling people to repent for the kingdom of, hand, of God is at hand. And that's true. But some of those people, if they came to our church, we wouldn't have them. It doesn't make sense. Walk in love. Second point, beloved, be love. Walk in love. Reflect the nature of Christ by serving others rather than yourself. Our lifestyle should reflect that we have been with Jesus. Selah. I've noticed, this is, I'm a slow learner. I've noticed that when I'm, my devotion is good and I'm, and I'm hanging out with Jesus through his word, through prayer and worshiping, my tolerance level goes up. I'm a generally peaceful guy. But then, ironically, Tiffany, when I don't do it, I'm hangry, every, everybody. Like, I'm just upset. And so I started realizing, huh, I'm a slow learner. Maybe if I start spending time with Jesus, do devotion, do prayer, through, through worshiping him, I won't walk around such a cantankerous person. But then I realized that there's, there's, there's a daily walk with him. And so if the only time I'm preparing to be with him is, so, is, is when I'm preparing to be with you, then I'm always walking around empty. And the pressures of the world is always evident. So the unmistakable sign of Christianity is a life walking in love. First Corinthians 13 and four. Uh, this has been used in weddings since the dawn of mankind. But Paul didn't write this to married people. He wrote it to the church. First Corinthians 13 and four, love is patient and kind. Lord have mercy. You mean to tell me this is just not geared towards my spouse? Nah, bro. This is for all of us. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Stop right there. I want you to think about your last post. All right, don't, don't. I want you to stay with me. It does not insist on its own way. I'm going to be right this time. 
because the last time I, I, I conceded because I ain't want no problems. I'm going to be right. No, no, it does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. We got some bitter married people. But the truth of the matter is we got bitter Christians in general. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Believes all things, hope all things, endures all things. Love never ends. John chapter 13, verse 34. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Beloved, where's your joy? Beloved, Where's your hope? I am not talking about all our days being filled with cotton candy and caramel apples, but we have hope. How do we know that we are walking in love? Jesus has an answer for that. John chapter 15, verse 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. When I love him, I will be like him. And when I'm like him, I will love like he loves. We hold everything with loose hands, willing to part with our money, with our time and possessions, and the number one killer of all churches, inconvenience. We have drilled things down to the point that we no longer care to be, want to be, desire to be inconvenienced. We don't have time for nothing. And then when trouble comes, we want God to stop heaven and earth for us. We can't even get up in the morning and say, Lord, I got a lot of problems this day, but thank you. We just get up in the morning and list our complaints. If that girl say something to me at work, that's it. That's it. We never take anything to the cross. Everything that we have is borrowed, including but not limited to our own children, because everything belongs to God. We give people what they need when it's in our power to do so. See, it's easy to love people with our same ideologies. They think like us, they act like us, they look like us. But the realities of our Christian faith is that even people who are extreme on one issue still carry the image of God. Just like the ones that we desire to protect. Verse number three, but sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. Obscene. And foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather give thanks. For know and recognize this, every sexual, immoral, or impure, or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Beloved, this is not deep. It's practical. 
avoid sin. Not deep. If it smell like sin, look like sin, it's sin. If you wrestle with it and you know it ain't right, it's sin. So what Paul is saying, hey, avoid it. Listen, we all are tempted by sin, but he says he's faithful to create a way of escape. You ever doing something, not y'all, but you ever doing something that you know you ain't got no business doing and there's a check in your spirit? Put that down. Don't do it. Why you shut that voice up? And then when you do it, I don't know what happened. You ain't listening to God. Avoid sin. Um, I told this to a few of us. Anybody ever seen the movie Inception? And the exception is that you insert these thoughts in a per- is, is Leonardo DiCaprio, right? It's an older movie. I'm a Chris Nolan fan. But um, the movie, it's about you insert yourself into a person's dream and you start planting seeds. So what happens is the, the main character, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, um, he has something tangible that he puts in his hands to remind him if he can feel it tangibly fill it, tactfully fill it, and he, he puts it in his hand, and it, rec- it reminds him that, okay, I'm in my real world. I'm, I'm, this is not a person's dream. What's your point? My point is that sometimes when people are acting beyond themselves or acting um, um, in a way that's harmful to my spiritual walk, I have the ability to either enter into their world and play by their rules or get out and stay anchored to the one that he called me to be, right? Sometimes when we're walking with people who are bent on sinning, the biggest gift that you can give yourself is to leave them alone. Because we are called to be like God, but we are not God. We find ourselves with empty arguments trying to convince someone to do what's right when they're bent on doing what's wrong. Empty arguments is once you figure out that this person going to do what they want to do, parachute out and get out of there. Because the stench of them will be on you. Beloved, avoid sin. Live as children of light. And children of light reflect Jesus. You can't reflect light if it's not in you. Beloved, avoid sin. Light bears the fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth. So he tells us in verse um, number seven, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are in the light. Walk as children of light. What's the fruit? For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. We're called to expose darkness, not embrace it. We speak truth in Love. And here's the reality. The more you look like Jesus, the more darkness will be unhappy with you. So we, we have this. Uh, let me continue. Everything exposed. No. Verse number 11. Don't participate in, in, in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them for it is shameful 
even to mention what is done by them in secret. He can't even bring up what the culture is doing. So he's saying, look, don't even have any parts of it. Everything exposed by the light is made visible for what makes everything visible is light. Therefore, it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Verse number 15, pay attention, careful attention, then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Last point, beloved, be wise. Break it down a little further. Stop wasting so much time because your priorities determine what's important to you. And your priorities are about making, our priorities should be about making the right choices. And the only way to do that is to understand the Lord's will. Why? Because time is short and the days are evil. And so, verse 18, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. We're going to end right there. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Beginning of wisdom, beginning of knowledge is fearing the Lord. So when we are confronted with our own sin, we have this natural uh, inclination to be overwhelmed by his glory and my filth. And so what happens when we say that we are loved by God, our sin nature says, but you're loved by God, but, but he can't handle that. He can't handle, or what, what, what about the thing that was done to you? And so, so when we embrace this invitation to walk with God and have God live in us, we wrestle with our old nature, with the new nature that he puts on us. Um, So we establish the fact that we are loved by God. But we're reminded in Ephesians chapter 5 that now, as Galatians chapter 5 says, that we are called now to walk in step with the Spirit. Didn't say run. Walk in step with the Spirit. You go back to the baby. Baby just literally just sits there getting the nutrients that it needs. And every mistake it makes, parents come take care. Then the baby begins to grow. And then it, all of a sudden, you, you put him on his back. And all of a sudden, you, you turn around, and he's on his stomach. Because the baby's getting stronger. Then the baby starts scooting. Because the natural progression of a child is to walk. So the baby begins to scoot. And then you get, when you have old school parents, they're like, it ain't long now. And then when they really want to scare you, they'll say stuff like, he's just moving out of the way for the next one. So the 
Baby begins to scoot. And then next thing you know, the baby is like, and, and the baby is on his belly, and you could see just, just, just moving, just moving. And then all of a sudden, the baby is just standing up, like pulling himself up. Then when the baby get really froggy, he stand up, he like this, whoa, ooh. And I was reading up how the, 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 all these things are happening at once. The brain is sending signals. And, and, and now the baby does this. It's the cutest thing in the world. And everybody goes nuts. And we, we document it and we, we keep it. And the baby is just growing. Some babies, it's nine, ten months. Them jokers walking. Some are late. But one of the developmental signs of a healthy baby is the baby walking. And that's the beauty of our faith. That we have loving people, the community of believers, that's birthing these babies into the kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. And for some, it's taking a little bit longer to walk than others. But we cheer you on nonetheless. Beloved, when he says walk in love, that means in order for us to walk in love, we got to walk with him. Maybe some of us are like this because we're literally walking alone. You don't have anyone to cheer you on. Like who, when you cry, who tends to those needs? When, when, when life happens and life happens to us all, the baby is trying to get his balance. And you know what's beautiful in that experience is every parent instinctively wants to react. But they know if they react, they could hamper the baby's progress. Love it. He says, don't waste your time. Love it. Voice in. Sometimes for some of us, we just got to, once that thought starts to come, you know the wave of thoughts that lead to depression? Cast that imagination. The scripture says, cast down your imaginations. Anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of Jesus Christ is so important because as, 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 as John says, one day we will see him for who he is. And so, the, so, so Caitlin, the reason why I cast down those thoughts it's because it would exalt itself above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ reminds me of who he is and who I am. So for some of us, we just got to cast it down immediately. Because we are, look, instinctively, the survival instinct to be negative is when back in the cave days, right? You walk out and a bear could attack you. So you see threats. It's survival. People who've experienced trauma, they stay, that same survival instinct is how they endured the trauma. So they fight against it. They fight against relationships. They fight against it. They can't love. We can't love completely and wholly because the survival instinct is, is to protect myself. He coming for that person. He coming for us all. But he doesn't kick down doors. He stands on the outside of the door and knocks. He says, I'm here. So, so for the husband that's wrestling with all the things that you're wrestling with, he's standing on the door of your heart, 
right at this moment. So I'm here. For the wife who's been hurt and hurt and hurt, he's stand on the door of your heart. He says, he's, he invites. It's, it's funny because the Bible says that we can't even come to Jesus unless the Father's drawing. Not my words, his words. He's drawing you. And the beauty of God is he, his love is patient. So he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. I don't know who's here today who's been wrestling with the knowledge of Jesus Christ wrestling with letting go we hold our children loosely we hold our money our lives those things that are important to us he understands but we hold it loosely why because ultimately we belong to God so how do we walk with him the first way to walk with him is to acknowledge that he is God now you and I acknowledging him as God does not change whether he's God or not. So let me make that abundantly clear. He's God without our acknowledgement or not. The scripture says in Colossians, he holds the world. So if you want to walk with God and walk, and I know we're children of light, but even if you acknowledge the light that's in the world, the light is Jesus. That's who it is. We got all different types of people that worship here. And the invitation extends to us all. So for some, you need to know Jesus. That's what this, is, this appeal is. For others, you need to come back to him because he's, he's beckoning you to come. Whether you come to this altar, whether you see me out here, the invitation is here. And for others, what, what is prayer? Prayer is to remind us of who we are in Christ. So most prayers that are at the altar, it, it, it's, it's the prophetic, the, the true prophetic is just the word of God being, you being reminded of the word of God. It's not prognosticating the future. The future is Jesus. So whether he delivers me or not, I can be in peace. And that's what this is. So we got baptism come. So Sam, just go. We're about to be baptized, Sam. But this is what I want y'all to sort of wrestle with those who I'm, I'm speaking to. What is the Lord calling me to do? He stands at the door of your heart to knock. If you need prayer, come to the altar wrestling with faith like real talk come to the altar if your heart is torn in pieces come to the altar the reality of it is yes this is altar in some sense but the altar is really your heart so when you hear the voice of God, Scripture says, harden not your heart. And so this is the moment that in all things we rejoice and we trust God because here's the reality of this moment. This moment 
came and he already knew it was going to come. He knew what you were going to go through. And, and whether we acknowledge him or not, our God has been cheering you on. And so, Father, the beauty of this moment in Christ is the, is the acknowledgement of his lordship. And him being Lord means I, I just surrender. Now, here's the beauty of God. That, mo that he calls us in the mountain, the mountain and in the valley. But most times we can't hear him when everything's going good. He still called us, but is in the valley of trouble that most of us, that's why it's a universal thing. Most of us recognize that I've now extended, I've gone beyond, I know how to do. I can't fix my kids, I can't fix my life, I can't fix my health, I can't fix it. And so we come to the end of ourselves. And when you come to the end of yourselves, that's when he can work. And that's the beauty. Not matter how strong you are. Paul said, I boasted my weakness. The reason why we remain transparent. It's because pride says, I did it. Transparency says, no, he did it. I don't care what you know about me. We've been through a lot, my wife and I. But the glory of God is this. If it had not been for the Lord that's been on our side, That was Pastor Antoine continuing in our series, Beloved. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. If you are in Charlotte or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays at 1033 on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and be sure to check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast. <laughs>